Good morning. Welcome to Bishop View Church. My name is Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first time joining us, so glad you joined us for worship today. Man, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. But a shout out to my mom. Happy Mother's Day, mom. She's probably watching in Cincinnati today. But yeah, well, I have a special guest. Before we jump into today's sermon, I want to introduce you to Ted Gerber. He um, is one of our members here at the church, but he also leads an amazing ministry that we've been able to partner with at the schools locally. So uh, we invited him. He's going to share just a little bit about activation, what it does, what they do. And um, we've already partnered with them. I think, Ted, you said eight people. Eight people from our church have already been a part of this ministry. But I want to, let's give him a warm Mission View welcome this morning. Thanks, Ted. Thank you very much. It's great to be here today. My wife, Sue, and I have attended Mission View for about four years now and just love, love everything about Mission View. I do believe that everyone does have a mission. Yeah. And it can be in many, many different places. It can be in your backyards, friends, but it could be in public schools too. Uh, I'm here to tell you a little bit about the unique opportunity for anybody who can give a day a week for 10 weeks and wants to make a difference in kids' lives. Back in 2012, Leaders Edge formed a nonprofit. It's a group of business leaders and churches together to do values training for business leaders as well as, I call them kids, but young people. Uh, we began taking a program called Antivirus, which is now called Activation, into middle schools. Across 10 weeks, we taught values. We talked to students about where they were at in life, what challenges were going on. We began in three schools back then, 600 kids. Starting next school year, we will be in 65 schools serving 10,000 kids a year. Let's give God a hand in that one. It's an incredible story. It, it's an incredible story, but what happens is we need mentors to go into schools to deliver the 10 lessons in activation, to teach the principles, the values. This book was written from Proverbs. Does not have scripture in it, but it teaches the characteristics that we want our youth to grow up and be great leaders with value. Uh, so on May 18th, 6.30 here at Mission View in the cafe, I'm going to have an informational meeting. If you're at all interested, come. If you just want to hear about it, come and hear about it. It'll be no more than an hour. You may want to mentor for us. Uh, it's a great opportunity. We've had eight people from the church do this. Uh, I won't run through the names, but Andrew is one of those people who uh, mentored in North Canton last year, and he loved it and did a great job and made an impact on youth. So thank you very much. Happy Mother's Day. I hope to see many of you on May 18th at the informational meeting, 6.30 to 7.30 in the cafe. Thank you, Matt. Oh, thanks, Ted. <clears throat> yeah, it's a great program. I uh, got to sit with Ted and talk to him about that, and we're excited to partner with him in that and invest in the youth of today. So. All right, Mother's Day sermon today. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We've been looking at the miracles of Jesus in the life of Jesus. He is our miracle-working God. Great stuff. Mother's Day is a wonderful day. My mom, she had four kids. I have three siblings, an older sister, three younger brothers, that I ter or two younger brothers I terrorized growing up, and I should apologize to them now, but 
I remember riding to church on Sunday mornings in the minivan. We had one of those Volkswagen minivans, those little buses. And, and I can remember sitting in the back and I would be pulling at my sister's hair or poking my brother. And my mom would turn around and yell at them because they were making so much commotion. And we've all been there, right? In the back of the car, riding to church. And everybody's going crazy. And there's an instigator. That was me. You get to church, and as, as all the chaos is happening, you cho- pull up to the church doors to drop everybody off, and, and it goes from chaos, chaos to instant peace, right? They open the door, somebody's out there, they're saying hi, and, and they turn, and, and everybody in the car says, oh, good morning, God bless you. Just wonderful day today, right? Yeah, moms are amazing how they deal with um, all these kids, but anyways, last week, uh, Andrew uh, taught us about Jesus' interaction with a demon-possessed man. It was awesome to see how Jesus values people. And we're going to see more and more of that. The miracles that God did, that God did, that Jesus did, were meant to show us his divinity, to show us that Jesus is God, but, but also it shows us the compassion and the kindness of God. That he sees us in kind of the mess. He sees us in the chaos. He, he sees us in the struggle. And he, he comes and meets us there and, and brings peace and calm to the storm. And he brings hope to the hopeless. It's just an amazing, amazing picture of God's love. And that's one of my favorite things about going through this Miracle Working God sermon series. Is that, I mean, you cannot go through this, go through any of the Gospels and not come out the other side not knowing that God loves you. God really, really loves you. So if you hear nothing else today, hear that. God loves you. And we're going to look at some more interactions that Jesus had today. He's going to raise a little girl from the dead. He's going to heal a woman of, of a horrible sickness. It's just going to be an amazing thing. So let's pray before we open God's word, read God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it is true, that it never changes And, Father, that it changes us. So this morning we submit to your word. We submit to your authority. God, I pray that you would give me the words to share by the power of your spirit. Let these truths sink into our hearts and change us, that we would walk out of here different people than we walked in, God, because we've met with our creator. Come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pick this up. Mark 5, and we'll start in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. All right. Stop right there. Let's look at this Jairus guy. He is a leader of the synagogue. Now, most leaders of the synagogue back in these times were Pharisees. And if you know anything about the story of Jesus, if you know anything about what's going on, the Pharisees didn't like Jesus. In fact, the Pharisees were the guys that arranged for Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus came in, and he had all of these followers. He was doing all these miracles and doing all these amazing things, and he was preaching the gospel, preaching truth, preaching grace, and he, he's the Messiah doing all these things. And the Pharisees see this guy coming in, taking what could be and is their power and leadership, their authority, because he had so many followers. So the Pharisees didn't just dislike Jesus. 
They hated Jesus. And here he is. He's doing all these miracles. But here we have Jairus, a Pharisee, a leader of the synagogue, completely and totally an enemy of Jesus. And what's he doing? He runs and he falls at Jesus' feet. This is, this is crazy. I mean, this, this scene had to be just mind-blowing for everyone around here. They're going, is, is that Jairus? Is that, the, is that the Pharisee from the synagogue? Is this the guy? Is he at Jesus' feet? If you can imagine the scene, this, is, this completely goes against everything that's going on in the culture at the moment. This is just absurd. Jairus had to have been completely, 110% at the end of his rope. I mean, he probably had tried everything, a hundred, a million different things in his mind, but he had probably tried hundreds of different things. This was the last thing he was at the end of his rope, and that's the first fill-in in your notes today. As you're following along in the notes there in the program you got as you came in, or you can download it on your phone online, is run to Jesus when you're at the end of your rope. Run to Jesus when you don't know what to do, when you have questions, when you're worried, when you're concerned, when you're at the end of your rope, run to Jesus. Have you ever felt like you're at the end of your rope? I mean, we've all been there, right? Life is hard, and the consequences of sin are far-reaching, and none of us is exempt. It's Mother's Day. Moms, have you ever felt like you're at the end of your rope with the kids? Oh, man, right? I, I, I can remember those days. With little kids running around, maybe sweet little Bobby turned into not-so-sweet little Bobby. It's usually around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Nap time, yeah, right around there. Not only do we have to deal with this, the sins from the fall, but we have to deal with the sins of other people. We have to deal with the sin that comes out of us. We have to deal with sickness and disease because the rot of sin continues to permeate the earth. And all of these things, all of them just stack up against us. I mean, they come at us from every angle, every side. We are surrounded by the encroachment and wickedness of sin. I think about that, and I think to myself, I can't imagine what life would be like without God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, have you ever thought that? Could you imagine going through this life, the struggles and the turmoil all the political mess, the war mess, the pandemic mess, all of this stuff that goes on in our life, let alone sickness and disease or, or loss of a family member or loved one, all of these different things. Could you imagine walking through any of that without our Savior? I, can't, I, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how they do it. When Christ found me, I, I was just living my life, doing my thing, thinking everything was fine. Think, I mean, it's just going, this is just how life is. I think everything's going just fine. And then, boom, all of a sudden my eyes are open, and I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? Was I, did I, was I really living that way? Did I actually think that was right? What I was doing, what I was thinking, how I was acting? Did, did, did I, how was I justifying that? How was, I, how was I walking that way, living that way? When God meets us, when God opens our eyes, he reveals to us real truth. Not only does he reveal to us real truth, he reveals to us real hope. Because what he's doing is he's revealing himself to us. And that's what we're seeing right here in Mark. God is revealing his heart to us. And he, we see this story 
this account in Jesus' life of this Jairus guy, this enemy of God, this enemy of Jesus running to, to Jesus and asking for hope, asking for help. And we're going to see Jesus' response to this enemy of him. Man, for, for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus and we have a relationship with God, we just have to remember who holds us in his hands. We have to remember that Jesus is God, that he's in control, that he holds tomorrow, he holds eternity in his hands. It's easy for us to forget that, isn't it? As we go through life and as I talked about all those different things coming up against us, it's easy for us to get that God's in control. And I, I was thinking about this first point, and it's a terrible first point. I'll just be honest with you. It's a terrible first point. Why run to Jesus when you're at the end of the rope? We should be walking with Jesus all the time. Think about it for a second. This Jairus guy, he was an enemy of God, an enemy of Jesus. He was at the end of his rope because he didn't have Jesus. So where did he go? He went to Jesus. I mean, a better first point would be for us Christians, those of us who know Christ and are walking with, is never, ever leave his side. Nurture that relationship with Jesus every day. The Bible tells us to, to pray without ceasing, that, that this relationship with God is meant to be continuous, this conversation that we have underneath and behind everything that's happening in our lives is this loving relationship we have with God, that constant communion with God. Don't ever, ever take your eyes off of the one who's walking beside you. And here's the reality. Jesus never leaves you or forsakes you. He is always at your side. And you may be feeling like you're all alone. You may be feeling like you are miles and miles away from Jesus. But let me tell you right now, Jesus is right beside you. In fact, he's carrying you. I mean, we have this great grandiose picture of ourselves, right? And we're running this race with Jesus. And we're just doing it. And we're pushing ourselves and we're going, and we do, we are pushing ourselves. But the real picture, uh, the, the real picture that's going on, let's be honest with you, is, man, he's carrying us. We, we purpose in our hearts to do the work that God calls us to, to, to even Paul says in his, to run the race as if to win. And we do, we work, and we, we purpose ourselves to love God so that we, we pray and we fast and we come to church and we, we try and share the love of Jesus all we can. But what we have to recognize is that we're doing that in the arms of Jesus. Isn't that good to know? You're doing it all in the arms of Jesus. But there's, there's some people here and even listening online that you're not in a relationship with Jesus. And you're, you're trying to do all of these things in and of your own strength. And the weight of the world, the weight of sin, and the weight of the sins of others, and the weight of your own sin are piling up and piling up on your back. And it's more weight than you can carry. Jesus is the only one who can take that weight off of you. He says, come to me, all who are weary. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus is calling you. And you may feel like you're at the end of your rope, and you may be at the end of your rope. And Jesus says, come to me. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus now. 
Let's look at this response that Jesus has to this enemy of his in verse 24. It's five words. And he went with him. (laughs) Really? Really? He doesn't even question Jairus. Remember, they're plotting to kill him. This is one of the bad guys. This is one that Jesus calls brood of vipers, right? This is, I don't know about you, but the people who are plotting to kill me, (laughs) hopefully there's none, but those people who don't like us, right? Those people who don't like us, I'm not just like, hey man, let's go to Applebee's. (laughs) This is gonna be great. No, no, if they come up to me and they're like, hey, come over to my house, I'm like, all right, uh, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not going to drink anything while I'm there. I don't know what they put in it, you know? No. Man, think about this. This is so, this is so good. This is good. This is the heart of God. And he went with him. Man, he goes with you. You've tried everything else. You've been to every other thing that you think could give you joy, every other thing that could give you lasting fulfillment. You've tried it all. You've tried it all. And you're at the end of your rope, and Jesus is saying, I'm all you need. You come to him, fall to your knees, and tell him that he's your only hope. And this is what he does. He goes with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I, I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, now get this, Jesus being God, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately tur- turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? And the disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. The thing I want to kind of think about as we look at this part of the text is, it's the second filling in your notes, is this, is run to Jesus. Run to Jesus because he is compassionate and merciful. Because he is compassionate and merciful. First, we'll talk about this woman who runs to Jesus when she's at the end of a rope. This issue of blood is a huge deal, especially in Bible times. If a a woman had an issue of blood, she was to, to isolate herself. She would actually go outside of the city. She was known as unclean. She had to actually declare herself, what you can imagine this, declare herself unclean, unclean. 
Don't touch me. I can't touch you. Unclean. I'm going out to outside the city. I'm isolating myself. I am alone. I am unclean. Don't touch me. And I will not touch you. Twelve years. Twelve years this woman has been isolated from family, from friends, from her community, from everyone. I mean, we barely survived a pandemic where we're isolated for a few months. Twelve years this woman has been alone. Get this. She is breaking every rule in the book. The crowd was thronged around him, shoulder to shoulder. It's like a mosh pit. If you've ever seen a mosh pit, no, anybody? Any heavy metal fans here? Sorry, just me? Okay. No, it was, it was like this crazy throng people around him trying to touch him, trying to see this miracle-working God, trying to witness this amazing, world-changing event, which was God in the flesh. She's breaking every law in the book. There's no way she got to Jesus without touching 150 people. She's not yelling unclean. She is desperate for a touch from the king of kings. She is desperate for hope. And she's just running as fast as she can and pushing as hard as she can just to get to Jesus. Have you ever felt that way? You're just pushing as hard as you can. You're running as fast as you can. You are desperate. You know that you need more of God in your life. You know that you need more of Jesus in your life. And you crank up the worship tunes. You open your Bible. You're dropping to your knees. You just want more of Jesus. And let's be honest. Every single one of us here today, every single one watching online, are desperate for a touch from the divine. A supernatural working of God through the power of his Holy Spirit. Every single one of us is desperate for it. You may be out there thinking things are fine, things are going well. I'm telling you now, every single one of us need a touch from God. In fact, that's what you're here. That's why you are here. Because you believe that God works, God moves, God lives. And he's moving in your heart even now. She broke every law. She should have, I mean, the consequences for what she is doing are great. Huge consequences. So what does Jesus do? Under the law, this woman was alone, isolated, unclean. But one touch from grace, one touch from Jesus, and she was free. And Jesus does the same thing for me and you. One touch from him, and we are set free. Here's a key point that we can take away as well. When the unclean touch Jesus, Jesus does not become unclean. He purifies the unclean. You may be thinking to yourself, Matt, you don't know what I've done. You're saying I need a touch from Jesus. You're saying I need Jesus in my life. You're saying that I need to come to Jesus when I'm at the end of my rope. I need to come to Jesus and bow before him and get on my knees before him like this guy, Jairus, or like this woman just running at You're saying I need to run to Jesus. Matt, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sins I've committed. You don't know how wicked this mind is. 
How it's led me astray, this heart, this wicked heart that's led me astray over and over and over again. You don't understand. Hear me. you got to hear this. There is nothing, absolutely nothing you have done. No sin you have committed is greater than the grace and mercy of God in his son, Jesus Christ. Don't let the mistakes of your past keep you there. Run to Jesus and find forgiveness in the only one you can find forgiveness in. That horrific death that he died on the cross and the blood that he shed for us is greater than any sin you can commit. That's how much Jesus loves you. Jesus' life reveals what God is like. And everything Jesus does reveals the heart of the Father to us. Jesus sees beyond the constrictions and restrictions of the law, and he gives what is needed, not what is deserved. Oh, that, that's a big line. Let's, I need to say that again. Jesus gives what is needed, not always what is deserved. That's called mercy. That's mercy. Mercy is giving people what they need, not necessarily what they deserve. And Jesus is full of compassion and mercy. Run to Jesus. The second thing we see in this encounter is his response to Jairus. Not only does Jesus go with him without any questions, he heals his daughter. He works one of his greatest miracles. He raises this girl from the dead. Jairus was most likely a skeptic or critic, but more than likely an enemy. But when his daughter's life's on the line, he runs to the one who can perform miracles. He runs to the miracle-working God because Jesus is compassionate and merciful. Maybe, maybe you've been painted a picture of God, and, and it's, it's, it's not a right picture. Maybe it's a picture of God, and he's this evil dictator who is just waiting for you to make mistakes so that he can shower down his wrath and judgment. You've been told that you can never measure up, you can never amount to anything. There is a God in heaven, but you don't want to meet him. He sits on a throne of hate and condemnation, and his greatest joy is dispensing his judgment and damnation. I don't know about you, but is that the picture you're getting here, Mark, from Jesus? I don't see hate. I don't see condemnation. I mean, this... This Pharisee coming to him, this woman breaking every law, I mean, stringent laws, her, she was going to be required to probably be killed, what she was doing. You can't run through a crowd of people unclean and get away. She's probably going to be stoned. Break, I mean, these are serious laws. It's not like she broke a speeding limit. She was getting the electric chair. What picture of God do you have in your heart, in your mind? Because Jesus is God, and everything he does reveals to us the heart of God. Now, there's a, a real fine balance we have to get here, because God hates sin. 
God takes sin really seriously. That's why there is a hell, a real hell, where people will go and spend eternity in a real heaven where people will go and spend eternity. Sin is no joke to God. But I'll tell you this, grace is no joke to God. What picture do you have of God in your mind? What's been painted in your mind of who God is? He takes sin very seriously, but he takes grace very seriously. Do you know that Jesus loves you? This is the most important question you will ever answer your entire life. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Jesus was not just kind to the people that knew him. He was kind to those who didn't know anything about him. He was kind to his enemies. I mean, he did sternly correct those who claimed they knew the Father, but whose lives did not reflect it. But to the lost and searching, he healed, he forgave, he fed, he brought comfort, he brought peace. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? And these stories, these accounts that we're reading and talking about through Jesus' life are real. And here's the cool thing is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm telling you, if Jairus can come to Jesus, you can come to Jesus. If this woman with these massive issues can run to Jesus, you can run to Jesus. And you can find hope just like they have. Now let's look at the rest of this account where Jesus raises this little girl from the dead. This is awesome. It starts out in verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. You might want to underline that, circle that. That's Jesus' response to this. Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the, brothers of James, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, okay? All right, rule number one, Never laugh at Jesus. I'm just saying, never laugh at God, okay? If you want to underline that and circle that, we're going to find out who's foolish here in just a second. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside. I don't, I'm not going to get into that. But he puts them all outside. And he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl I say to you, arise. Talitha Kumai. Now, those are the words Kumai that Jesus says to all who come to him. Arise. This picture of Jesus raising this little girl from the dead is the same picture that we see today. And he says to you, Jonathan Kumai, Mark Kumai, Angela Kumai. 
Jesus is still raising people from the dead every day. And he's saying to you now, Kumai. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The last filling in your notes is this. Run to Jesus in faith because he holds the power over life and death. You serve a God who holds the power over life and death. This is no joke, people. There is a real God. He's a real creator. He created everything you see. The mountains, the seashores, the oceans, everything in them. Every mountain range, every universe, everything the Hubble telescope shows us, everything we learn about where we live, and who we, God created all of it. Jesus is God. He is our creator. He knows you. He is sovereign. That means he's all-powerful, all-knowing. He knows yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is in control of all those things, and he loves you. This big, amazing creator God who's done all of these things. He knows your name. He says, even before time began, even before anything was created, he knew your name, and he still knows your name. Run to Jesus in faith because he holds the power over life and death. Only God, only God holds the power over life and death. And death. Jesus demonstrated his divine power and authority when he raised this young girl from the dead, and he demonstrated that power when you rose from the dead. When your eyes were open to sin, when your shame and the power of shame was broken in your life because of what Jesus did on the cross and what he did in your heart in that moment, you were raised from death to life. And we run to Jesus when we're at the end of our rope and because he's kind and merciful. But most importantly, run to Jesus because he holds the power of life and death. God sits in eternity, sovereign over all things. And we all will live in eternity. Every single person that's ever walked the earth will live forever. That's like one of my favorite songs, yeah. We're just getting to that part about heaven and hell, so that works really well. (laughs) Every person will live forever. And we can laugh, but some will live in a lake of fire forever. And some will live in paradise with their creator forever. Every single human being will live on after this life, in heaven or in hell. And Jesus demonstrated that he is God, which means that all of his teachings, all of his actions showed us who God is and what he's like. God is loving, compassionate, and kind. He holds the power over life and death. When you come to Jesus, you are not coming to someone who has no power. You are coming to the one who created the universe, the one who created the sun, the moon, the stars, the oceans, animals, all of creation. You're coming to the one who created you. Jesus rose from the dead. He raised others from the dead. 
He gave sight to the blind. He cast out demons. He fed the hungry, caused the lame to walk, cleansed the lepers, healed this woman, healed hundreds of people. And the Bible says after he rose from the grave, later on he ascended into heaven. And even now he sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for you and me. And he's also preparing a place for us, for our our eternity. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have assurance of this eternity with God. And the closer I get to that, the older I get, the the more I just appreciate that. That this is not the end. This life here that we live is just a a wisp. It's a vapor. It is here one second and it's gone the next. And then we are off into eternity with a gracious, compassionate, and merciful God whose greatness knows no end, that we will be searching and seeking and growing a knowledge of throughout all eternity and the joys that wait for us are innumerable. That's what we have in Christ. I'm inviting every one of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus to give your life to Jesus and have that same assurance that you will have an eternity with your creator. Not only that, but that your time here on earth would be spent in relationship with that creator, that you would find even now a glimpse of of ultimate joy and ultimate satisfaction that every human heart is desperately seeking. We're looking at the life of Jesus, this miracle-working God, and it's revealed to us a gracious and compassionate and loving God who is reaching out to you. Give your life to him today. Don't wait. None of our tomorrows are guaranteed. Give your life to Jesus today. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We surrender to you, Father. For those who are here who know you, God, I pray that you would grow us deeper in understanding, that you would meet with us, that you would take us deeper, take us further, open our eyes more, open our minds more, change our hearts more, that we would be more like your son, Jesus. And for those that are here that don't know you, God, that they would hear your words right now, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. Arise. Come to your creator, your savior, your God, Jesus Christ. Father, come and have your way. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.